Hi, and hello, and welcome to the Saxo Market Call uh, on Thursday, November 24th, uh, 2022. Um, we, we've talked about it for uh, for a couple of days now that um, you know we, we could have the bulls uh, taking uh, the lead here in, in equities, and, and that is what we're seeing. Um, we had uh, another uh, higher closing print yesterday in the S&P 500 index futures, as you can see on slide two, and we are pushing a little bit higher here i uh, i should have um, put in the 200 day moving average there on on that chart because it's it's around 10 15 points higher from where we are now it's uh, it seems like that's the gravitational point and where we want to go for um at this point in time and it and, and also it seems like you know bad news is good news um because we had what you can see on slide three we had the U.S. services PMI preliminary figures for November coming out yesterday, uh, worse than expected against the survey number, uh, and still below 50. John has sort of uh, argued that the, it, it is a little bit at odds with some other data points we're seeing, and I agree with that. But actually, if you if you compare it to that leading indicators chart we had yesterday on the on the podcast it fits very well. And this is actually the services, which is the largest part of the U.S. economy, also the largest part of the um, inflation basket in the U.S. So uh, things are definitely cooling down in the U.S. And I think it's keeping this fit pivot alive. Um, the U.S. 10-year also uh, yield came down. Yesterday, we closed at, uh, yeah, we closed at um, just around 3.7%. So we are some very critical uh, support levels here. Wouldn't rule out we could go to 350. Um, also, because some of the uh, inside the FMC minutes, there uh, it was very clear that you know the majority leaning towards uh, slowing down the rate, the rate hikes uh, pace. Um, so, so that of course is being baked into the expectations as we are as of right now. And if we look at slide two again, coming coming back to the slide deck, uh, the theme baskets overview. You could see yesterday that. High duration equity themes were really on a was really on a roll yesterday, and especially bubble stocks up almost four uh, percent. Energy storage and e-commerce uh, uh, tightly thereafter, um, and then adding to sentiment as well, we should say that the state council in China has also an, uh, put out a memo uh, which basically indirectly advising the People's Bank of China to uh, utilize monetary tools to to, um, to safeguard and also accelerate the, the Chinese economy. So we, the market should be prepared for uh, for easing stands from China. And that would be a positive jolt uh, or, or, or balancing point, if you will, for the global economy. As Europe and the U.S. is slowing down, if China could accelerate, that could soften the, uh, the demand blow and soften the recessionary dynamics in the global economy. So that's definitely something that would be good and something that would be good for your uh, your space as well, Ole, on commodities. But, but before we talk commodities, we just should, should quickly uh, mention that um, uh, by the time this podcast is out, the Riggs Bank will have delivered um, its rate out an announcement. It's 25 minutes from now, so it's uh, 8.30, um, <clears throat> 830 uh, GMT. And the uh, the expectation is that the Riggs Bank go big, that they go 75 basis points, 2.5% as we close the year. And um, the inflation rate in in, uh, in Sweden right now is 9.3%. So quite a fat spread right there. But Ole, we need to get you into the conversation. You've put in on uh, slide four uh, a longer term chart of the uh, of the euro dollar. 
Yeah, exactly. Because uh, with these um, minutes yesterday, we and the the weaker data that you mentioned, Peter, we also saw the dollar uh, weaken, and uh, we all we all know the impact of a weaker dollar on on asset classes in general. It, uh, it tends to give uh, give a boost. We saw that uh, across the uh, precious metal space uh, as well as uh, as as in some of the industrial metals yesterday. So euro dollar is. It's trading above uh, one one or four once again. Um, if we can hold this uh, this gain, we'll basically potentially see the first close above the two hundred day moving average uh, for the first time since June last year, uh, and that uh, that that could go a long way to add some further positive sentiment back into the market. We we know that speculators have been uh, net buyers of of euro dollar since August, so they were they jumped the gun fairly fairly early, but uh, uh, they are being vindicated in that belief uh, uh, by the current. market. Market developments. So, um, so keep an eye on at, at that one hundred four level uh, today, and uh, because if you do break, then as you can see on the the uh, inserts there on slide four, the the next major level could be potentially around the one hundred six level, the thirty eight point two percent retracement of the of the whole sell off we had since uh, December or January last year. So, um, interesting levels to watch out for. All right, and it, uh, but but yeah, and I think you should uh, you should continue because uh, it's uh, the commodity space is still very interesting, and we talked about it before we went on the podcast, Ole, that uh, you said oh, container prices are coming down very fast, Peter, and uh, but there are definitely other parts of the market that is very frothy, sort of transportation for LNG because the gas demand is still very hot here in Europe. Indeed, um, we saw some. Uh, we saw a little bit of movement in the gas price yesterday, um, relative to where we what we we witnessed in recent months. It's it's uh, it's relatively benign, but uh, we popped uh, around nine percent uh, in, in European gas prices yesterday. Um, we had uh, two pieces of news. First of all, Gazprom threatening to uh, to reduce uh, further supplies through its line uh, through its Ukraine pipeline. Uh, that we are currently receiving around uh, 42 million uh, cubic meters a day. You can see that on the insert there on slide five. That's the that's the lower uh, blue line, uh, blue area. Um, uh, but what's at stake right now is only part of the five million that they ship to Moldova every every day. And uh, because they're basically accusing Ukrainians of keeping uh, not sending all the all the gas through to uh, Moldova, something that's been denied by both countries. So it just looks like Gazprom is looking for another excuse to further tighten the screws on Europe. The problem with that is that for Russia is that uh, that screw is is becoming a little bit small. Um, we're not having the uh, they are their, their flows to Europe is down by close to eighty percent uh, over last year. So any any further changes or reduction from Russia is going to have a relatively small smaller impact. Not least considering that we, that uh, the level of stories that we have, and also um, I think what's is, it's worth keeping an eye on the December February spread because February gas is the uh, peak winter months, and that's the one where where most of the if anything, uh, worries about uh, supplies at the end of the winter uh, heating season will be reflected. And so far, the the, the February contract is only trading what seven, uh, what is it on the latest eight euros above uh, the December contract. So so no no uh, no stress on that front. Uh, so I think probably the more the the, the rise we've seen is is due to weather forecast pointing to a, a very cold uh, start to December. So that will obviously raise the demand for heating. So we'll see. We'll see what impact it has. Also, uh, we'll get a clearer picture of how much of the slowdown in demand has been due to the mild weather we had, and how much has been due to uh, consumers uh, holding back on their on their consumption. So, uh, interesting few weeks ahead for the for the gas market there. Yeah, it's a it's a very good point, Ole. And and if you look at that little insert you have there with the European gas storage, um, sort of the 
the first derivative on that blue line, which is the current curve we are on versus the five-year average, if, if the blue curve is flatter uh, over the next month and we have normal temperatures, then we can begin to, as you say, we can begin to bake out or take out what 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 is the actual demand the destruction because we you would you would assume you would assume of course that this curve is flatter but of course there's also the net inflow into the system that is, is also you need to take a uh, take into account so but it's an interesting suggestion do you know before um, we go do you know all before we go uh, go on to the next because that's a curious question i have what is the reason why russia is, is not just cutting off uh, all gas through U, uh, ukraine is that because they want to send it to moldova or are there other considerations because i mean the, the, europe is an adversary of russia right now so why why not just cut it to zero um, two things. First of all, the as you mentioned, some of the gas going to uh, Russia, Russia-friendly nations, just like the gas going through Turkey, uh, which basically means that that line is not uh, has never really been in discussion. Uh, the Turk Stream uh, line. So, uh, and, and and secondly, also whatever gas, less gas Russia sends to Europe for these pipelines is basically just stranded gas in Russia. Basically, they're not getting any revenues for them. So, um, so selling. So it, it, it's it's as also obviously also an economic uh, consideration that needs to be taken into account uh, how much are they prepared to uh, to cut in and because it will it will mean uh, lower revenues for, for Russia uh, so but at this point uh, again whether they leave the 42 million uh, cubic meters a day flowing or not really doesn't make uh, it does make much sense and much different to Europe I would say but uh, it, it does make some some economic sense to Russia to keep the uh, keep the tabs open but uh, I think the market is is basically pricing in a uh, that that the uh, that the flow through Ukraine will be at some point will be cut to zero. So so the longer it stays open, the the better for the for the overall situ- situation in 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 Europe on on that front. But I, I, if I may also just add, uh, Peter, what's interesting, what we've seen, uh, just taking Denmark as an example, that, that, that we always talk about the best cure for high price is a high price because it incentivizes the the, the search for alternatives. And and in Denmark, we just had from the Danish biogas. Uh, organization yesterday they basically said they produced a record 58 million cubic meters of gas from biogas last month they are so far this year have produced 500 million cubic meters um, that's uh, around 40 percent of Danish uh, gas uh, gas demand so uh, this has really come about very quickly and that that system is going to be expanded further because their their break-even price a year ago was around 85 euros that's probably coming down now because they are they're getting more advanced in in how they they built these and then they at the close you get to the to the gas uh, to to where the the the, the, the biogas bioproducts are coming from then obviously you, you cut down on transportation costs and everything so this is really an interesting story to follow and, and one that obviously could be replicated across europe because there's a lot of waste being produced on a daily basis that could be instead of just going into a dump could be uh could, could be utilized in this way and this also takes the methane out of the uh, other gas so it's, it's from a co2 perspective it's it's, it's pretty good all right um Definitely interesting. Um, slide six. Um, we talked a lot about this oil market because you would think that the you would think the equation is in favor of higher prices, but we're still seeing prices coming down. Um, what does it What does it take to change this picture? Is it that China shows a more uh, more firm path to uh, reopening and and kickstart the economy, or, or what would it take? 
Absolutely, uh, because right now we uh, we got uncertainty. We got a, a realized uncertainty in China uh, with the demand uh, uh, potentially being down almost by what the OPEC cost uh, cut production by this month. So uh, so these two are evening even each other's out. And then on the the, the future risk, and that's why I put in the uh, the two ten uh, yield spread in the U.S. The future risk is is the risk of a recession in the U.S. next year, uh, and we can see the yield curves are increasingly pointing towards uh, that risk or elevated Facing that risk on a on a almost daily basis, so um, so it, it's responding to an actual risk, uh, on actual reduction, and a potential future risk. And these of these obviously two of the world are the, the two world's biggest consuming nations when it comes to uh, it comes to fuel and, and and crude oil. So so that's why we are we are troubled right now. And uh, and and as you say, it it has to be a change in the direction for for China that that uh, that needs uh, that is required right now to uh, to uh, to pause this uh, this weakness. But uh, but generally, uh, still some concerns about the availability of uh, fuel products this winter, diesel and gasoline, diesel especially. So um, that's adding to uh, adding some support to the market. All right, and uh, if we go to stocks to watch today on slide seven, um, the 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 big company that reported yesterday was Deer, and as I said to you all, uh, between you and me on uh, in a call, I mean, why didn't we invest in this company since uh, 1995? I mean, it before dividends, it has returned 16% annualized. It's a it's a fascinating story, and of course, for years before the pandemic, it wasn't necessarily a rosy story. You can also see that on the on slide seven on the five year chart. But since the pandemic, uh, the uh, Bloomberg Commodity Soft Spot Index have just taken off, and and that's uh, it's increasing the pricing power um, that farmers have, and 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 that means that deer can pass on the inflation from 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 metals, etc., with no problem. So they're maintaining and even expanding margins. They're growing very fast on the revenue, and but even more interesting, uh, the deer story is it developing into something more than just a you know you would think a boring hardware company that make agricultural and forest machines and sell them they they're putting more and more sensors uh, and intelligent sensors into these machines and um if you're a farmer you buy these equipment they, it they collects a lot of these data and it's sent to deer and it's analyzed and they rolling out all these different services for better uh, crops and utilization based on all this data and uh, it's it's just I think it's becoming a super fascinating uh, company. So, and they put out a, a fiscal year uh, 23, which will end in October next year, uh, guidance on the net income that was significantly above estimates. And they said that they have full order books uh, in uh, all the way until July uh, next year. Um, and that the, the best years are still to come for this company. So very, very uh, optimistic outlook right there for this US company. Um, also, post NL, it's uh, the those shares are five percent as we speak right now. Uh, a Czech a billionaire investor, Daniel uh, Kretinsky, has increased his stake to thirty-one point four percent. So a lot of action going on in the European session today in that stock. And then Electra in Sweden in trading today, they missed on Q two operating results. The shares are down, and um, they they are not effect. They're not executing their cost cuts fast enough and they still have supply chain challenges and that's why they are missing again the estimate here but they are pushing through with cuts so mm, we would expect some some improvement um in the quarters to come and then in terms of the earnings watch it's a very a very light calendar um no nothing on the tap today so it's uh, pentuadra and may twin tomorrow just put in a longer term chart there for pentuadra for perspective on that but we'll talk about it to uh, tomorrow um, and that and that brings us to the macro calendar. We already talked about Sweden's uh, Sweden Rig Bank's rate announcement. Um, 
75 basis points expected there. Uh, we have a German uh, EFO survey coming up uh, with you know, quite a muted, I would say, muted expectations. So the current assessment and business climate uh, still linking around uh, October's figures with expectations expected to be higher for November. So maybe things are improving a little bit in Germany. And then we should highlight as well, John is not on the podcast. There's a good reason for that. He's uh, preparing and celebrating Thanksgiving, which is the U.S. holiday. It doesn't mean the markets are completely shut off because the uh, the U.S. equity market, the New York Stock Exchange, will keep cash equity trading open until uh, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Um, so, um, so there still will be trading going on in the uh, in the U.S. And then later today we have rate announcement both in Turkey and in South Africa. So um, I think that concludes today's uh, podcast. Uh, thank you for listening in. We really appreciate your, uh, your listenership uh, and hope we'll get uh, more and more in the, uh, in the months to come. And uh, we'll be back same time and place tomorrow. Thanks for listening. This has been the Saxo Market Call. For feedback and questions, reach out to us on Twitter at Saxo Market Call or by email, marketcall at saxobank.com. 